So the reason I say I sold my scars is because we are born again through Jesus Christ. And so literally he has sent his son to die for our sins so that we may not die, so that we may have everlasting life but yet we take it for granted. I don't get it right all the time, but I may not always make the right decisions, but there was only one perfect person and that was Jesus. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Confidence Restored Podcast presented by CC America, also known as Confidence Centers of America and hosted by Tamaria Jordan. This is a show designed to help you build your confidence Increase your faith and get mentally fit to overcome any trials and tribulations you may encounter. Through personal testimonies of faith, inspiration, and transformation, Tamaria and guests seek to inspire and uplift you. This message is delivered by us, CCing you on lessons learned in hopes of encouraging you regardless of where you are in life. Enjoy the show. Hello, and welcome to a live taping of the Confidence Restored podcast hosted by me, Tamaria Jordan. This show is all about helping you get mentally fit through testimonies of faith, inspiration, and transformation. So for anyone, if this is your first time tuning in, you are certainly in for a treat. This is a show really dedicated to helping others overcome any trials and tribulations they may encounter in life, and also to spread a message of hope and inspiration to all those in need. So tonight I'm doing something a little bit different. I am going live on YouTube concurrently, and I was trying to figure out a few days ago what the topic of this message would be. And on October 30th, I wrote down in my journal, I sold my scars. And some of you may be wondering, what is she talking about? I sold my scars. And what I mean by that is that all of us were purchased at a price. Meaning if you believe in Jesus Christ, if you believe in God, um, I was purchased at a price. You were purchased at a price. Meaning he died for our sins so that we may be saved. And so when I say I sold my scars, all of us come into this world sinners. We all have things that we are going to encounter, things in life that are not going to be pleasant, things that will literally shake us to our core. And when I tell you that this year has been quite the roller coaster, I'm not even joking. It has been crazy to say the least. Um, it seems like it's always one thing after the next. And speaking with other people, they seem to be having similar experiences, meaning it's just unexpected. Um, there's a lot of things that are happening that may make you question why, why me, why this, why now? And I was sitting here thinking, um, you know, what am I going to talk about? And literally all I kept feeling in my spirit was I told you to read Hosea. And the funny thing about the book of Hosea, I felt like if I'm not mistaken, it was like the end of 2020 that I got that message to read Hosea. So I'm going to get a little bit into that and what I felt that God was trying to speak to me through that particular um, Bible verse. But today is 11.1. I am recording this because I felt like now is the time. And sometimes with regard to this show, I will ask God like, okay, what am I supposed to say? And I feel like he will give me the words. So there will be quite a few things that I will share tonight regarding how I got this message and also what I feel like um, the message should be. 
And literally right before this, I was like, okay, God, give me the words to speak because oftentimes, I don't know. I think sometimes we think to ourselves like, okay, I know what I'm going to do in this moment. I know what I'm going to say, but I will come back to Jeremiah 1, which talks about that as well. So when I talk about my scars and Hosea, it made me think what is significant about the number 11 or 11-1. And so I just started to do a little bit of research to see, okay, with regard to the number 11, what does it mean? And so I was actually very surprised to see what 11 meant. And then as I started to think back to the scriptures that I was reading, it all started to make a little more sense. So when I looked up the number 11, the biblical meaning of number 11, it says that it's important because it can symbolize disorder, chaos, and judgment. So you're probably thinking, okay, where are we going with this message? But let me tell you, we are going somewhere. So when I read that, I was thinking I was going to have this, um, you know, message that was a message full of hope. And not to say that this message will not be full of hope, um, because it will, and I'll, I'll show you why. But the one thing I will say about this particular message is that it's real. And it's what I'm feeling right now. And I just say, God, give me the words to speak because I don't know. <laughs> um, so when I looked up disorder, chaos, and judgment, I thought, okay, that's interesting. But according to um, one website, uh, biblestudy.com, it notes that 11 comes after 10 and 10 represents law and responsibility. 11 represents the opposite, which is the irresponsibility of breaking the law, which brings disorder and judgment. And so you may recall that I, I mentioned that a lot of people have been going through. It's just been an interesting time to say the least. And knowing that we all made it out of 2020 is certainly a blessing. But then it made me think, this is really interesting that it's talking about disorder and conduct. So then when I think about Hosea, so the reason I say I had a serious aha moment is because the whole book talks about God's judgment against Israel, Israel's punishment, and going back to the beginning of that chapter, it talks about a gentleman by the name of Hosea. He was commanded by God to marry a woman of whoredom is how, how it's referred to. And it says she would be unfaithful, but God knew that she would be unfaithful to Hosea. He told him to marry her anyway. And so his wife, Gomer, lost interest in him and began to run around with other lovers. And it talks about how easily we lose appreciation for our relationship with God in the pursuit of our dreams, of our goals, of the things of this world. We start to seek more after the person delivering the word than we do to seek after God. And as I read the chapter, I said, wow, this is really deep because essentially from chapter four until chapter 14, it talks about the sinfulness of Israel. It talks about their punishment. And then in the very end, it talks about God's love for Israel. So it literally is a complete shift from how it starts. So 
Hosea's story is in, in between chapters one and three. And it's really talking about how, you know, his wife was wayward and how she conceived um, children and their names. And literally some of their names, they were very interesting. And you know how people will say, be careful what you call a child. And it's so interesting, but in Hosea one, verse two, it says the beginning of the word of the Lord by Hosea. And the Lord said to Hosea, go take until thee a wife of whoredoms and children of whoredoms for the land hath committed great whoredom departing from the Lord. So he went and took Gomer, the wife of Diblam, which conceived and bare him a son. And the Lord said unto him, call his name Jezreel for yet a little while. And I will avenge the blood of Jezreel upon the house of Jehu and will cause to cease the kingdom of the house of Israel. And it shall come to pass at that day, I will break the bow of Israel in the valley of Jezreel. She conceived again and bare a daughter. God said unto him, call her name Loromiah, for I will have no mercy upon the house of Israel, but I will utterly take them away. But I will have mercy upon the house of Judah and will save them by the Lord their God and will not save them by bow, nor by sword, nor by battle, by horses, nor by horsemen. Now, when she had weaned Loramiah, she conceived and bare a son. Then God called his name Loami, for ye are not my people and I will not be your God. Yet the number of children of Israel shall be as sand of the sea, which cannot be measured or numbered, and it shall come to pass that in the place where it is said unto them, ye are not my people, there it shall be said unto them, ye are the sons of the living God. Then shall the children of Judah and the children of Israel be gathered together and appoint themselves one head, and they shall come out of the land, for great shall be the day of Jezreel. So I read all of this to say, God told him to marry this woman, knowing that she was a woman of whoredom. And what's interesting is, all of the children that they had, all of their names had meaning beyond what others could see because God was speaking directly to Hosea with regard to his life. But in chapter two, it talks about the punishment and restoration. So what's interesting is in verse four of chapter two, it says, I will not have mercy upon her children for they be the children of whoredoms for their mother hath played the harlot. She that conceived them hath done shamefully, for she said, I will go after my lovers that give me my bread and my water, my wool and my flax, mine oil and my drink. Therefore, behold, I will hedge up thy way with thorns and make a wall that she shall not find her paths. And she shall follow after her lovers, but she shall not overtake them and she shall seek them, but not find them. Then shall she say, I will go and return to my first husband, for then was it better with me than now. For she did not know that I gave her corn and wine and oil and multiplied her silver and gold, which they prepared for Baal, which was another guy. Therefore will I return and take away my corn in the time thereof and mine wine in the season thereof and will recover my wool and flax given to cover her nakedness. And now will I discover her lewdness in the sight of her lovers and none shall deliver her out of my hand. And literally it goes on to talk about the destruction. And, but it also says that God will bring her into the wilderness and speak comfortably to her. And in chapter three, Hosea is reconciled to his wife. So it's really interesting that 
in the story of Hosea, God allows his wife to come back to him because he speaks to her in the season of being in the wilderness. And in the wilderness, meaning when she thought she had what she needed in these other lovers and not her husband, but meanwhile, her husband was there the whole time. So when you think about God and you think about us, he's like, I'm here the whole time, but you're out looking for other lovers. You're out looking for someone else to satisfy what only I can satisfy. And so there's a period where we experience, I think, the breakdown, that destruction, that isolation, the feelings that we go through because we've walked away. But what I love about this story is that he is brought back to his wife and they are reconciled. And so it's really interesting because in chapter three, verse three, it says, and I said unto her, thou shalt abide for me many days. Thou shalt not play the harlot. Thou shalt not be for another man. So I will also be for thee. So he literally was able to turn his heart back to his wife. And as it keeps going in verse four, it says, for the children of Israel shall abide many days without a king and without a prince and without a sacrifice and without an image and without an ephod and without teraphim. Afterward shall the children of Israel return and seek the Lord their God and David their king and shall fear the Lord and his goodness in the latter days. So in chapters four through 14, it literally talks about the sin of Israel and the impending judgment. It talks about the moral and spiritual decay of the nation and the punishment that will await them if they do not return to God. So starting in chapter four, it talks about um, just what is happening. So when I was reading this, I was like, oh my gosh, this is what's happening now. Hear the word of the Lord, ye children of Israel, for the Lord hath a controversy with the inhabitants of the land, because there is no truth, nor mercy, nor knowledge of God in the land. By swearing and lying and killing and stealing and committing adultery, they break out and blood touches blood. Therefore shall the land mourn, and everyone that dwelleth therein shall languish with the beasts of the field and with the fowls of heaven. Yea, the fishes of the sea also shall be taken away. Yet let no man strive nor reprove another, for thy people are as they that strive with the priests. Therefore shalt thou fall in the day, and the prophet also shall fall with thee in the night, and I will destroy thy mother. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge, because thou hast rejected knowledge. I will also reject thee that thou shalt be no priest to me, seeing thou hast forgotten the law of God, I shall also forget thy children. As they were increased, so they sinned against me, therefore will I change their glory into shame. And all I kept thinking was, wow, that's pretty deep, because when you think about all of the things that we're seeing today, there are, there are people who claim to be believers who are committing some of the most heinous crimes or doing some of the most um, hurtful things to other believers and to people, you know, inside and outside of the kingdom. And then we wonder why people don't necessarily believe in what we say because they see what we do. And so we have prophets in positions of power who are literally focused on just that, the power. Um, and maybe not necessarily just prophets, but people in positions of power. That's the new PPP. That's the loan. We literally have those people in a position on loan 
from God in a position of power and then they abuse it. And then you have people looking at those people in positions of power and they think, well, if they can get away with it, so can I. And then people start to slowly walk down a path that is hard to turn away from. And so as I kept reading, I was like, okay, I want to learn more. I want to learn more. So in verse 10, it says, for they shall eat and not have enough. They shall commit whoredom and shall not increase because they left off to take heed to the Lord. Verse 11, whoredom and wine and new wine take away the heart. And I was like, oh my gosh, that is so deep. Because when you think about it, um, and I love the way the Bible that I have describes it. So I'm reading the Life Application Bible. And in the section below that scripture, it says, God created wine to make man glad. And he tells man to rejoice with the wife of thy youth. But all of God's good gifts can be misused. Celebration can turn into drunkenness and pleasure in marriage can be replaced by illicit sex. When any of God's gifts become more important than the giver, abusers are sure to follow. And I was like, that is so true. Because when we think about where we are now, we think about what we see on TV. We think about what we hear. Literally, the things that are supposed to be beautiful, the enemy has perverted and we allow it to be perverted and we keep going down the same path, expecting there to be change, expecting there to be goodness, yet we've walked away from God. In chapter five, I'm just gonna read two um, or three of the verses that I highlighted. Chapter five, verse six, they shall go with their flocks and with their herds to seek the Lord, but they shall not find him. He hath withdrew himself from them. Verse seven, they have dealt treacherously against the Lord for they have begotten strange children and now a month devour them with their portions. And I'm gonna skip down to verse 15. I will go and return to my place till thy acknowledge their offense and seek my face in their affliction. They will seek me early. So right now I think we're in a place where God is like, you all wanna do what you wanna do. Go ahead and do it. You have the liberty to do it. I will not make you choose me. But if you do not choose me, you will deal with the consequences of your actions. And so as long as we don't choose him, he's going to let us live our life. And we might be thinking I'm living my best life. And he's like, you're living a life that is ultimately going to lead you to destruction if you don't repent. And he's looking at us thinking, we're going after all of these things. And meanwhile, we're forgetting the giver of the gifts, the gifts that he's given us, the treasures that he's put in our hearts. And even for myself, I have to repent sometimes because in our, in our getting, and we want to search and we want to find and we want to do these things, but sometimes we end up putting those things that we think we're doing um, for God in front of God. And the word tells us he's a jealous God. And he's like, I gave you these gifts so that you can help my people. But sometimes we, I think we think too highly of ourselves and we start to elevate ourselves. And he's like, no, this work I gave you because I called you before you were born, which I'm going to get to that as well. So fast forward, chapter seven, there's only 14 chapters in Hosea. So I get to chapter eight. Um, I highlighted, or excuse me, chapter seven, I highlighted verse eight, nine, and 10. Ephraim, he hath mixed himself among the people. Ephraim is a cake, not turned. And I was like, okay, that's interesting. Strangers have devoured his strength and he knoweth it not yet, not. Yea, gray hairs are here and there upon him, yet he knoweth not. 
And the pride of Israel testifieth to his face, and they do not return to the Lord their God, nor seek him for all of this. And I was like, okay, what specifically is it talking about in this particular chapter? But what's interesting is in here, it talks about the fact that Ephraim, because they were so crooked, this person will say, for instance, in, in this particular section of it, the king. So I'm going to go back a little bit. In the beginning of the chapter, it says, when I have healed Israel, then the iniquity of Ephraim was discovered and the wickedness of Samaria for thy commit falsehood and the thief cometh in and the troop of robbers spoileth without. And so it talks about adulterers. It talks about who these individuals are. It talks about what they are doing. But even before that in um, chapter six, it talks about how there's whoredom of Ephraim. Israel is defiled. And so sometimes I feel like there are people um, who are leading us, but they may be, they may not be doing it for the right reasons, or they may not be holding people accountable for what they should be holding people accountable for, if that makes sense. So you, I'm pretty sure you all see on the news, like different individuals who uh, may be committing adultery, but they're in a position of power in the church. You have people who are um, you know, slaying their significant other, but yet these are people who say they love God. These are people who say that they believe, um, that they believe in God, that they believe in what it stands for. But then on the flip side, they make decisions that make people question who they really are and what they really believe. And so it really makes us think to ourselves, you know, what are we doing? Who, like, what are we, um, what are we trying to show? And it's so interesting because eventually um, Ephraim's tribe ended up being chastised for their idolatry, their idolatry of things. And essentially Hosea talks about how they went away from God. So Ephraim um, is the second son of Joseph and a grandson of Jacob. And his name means doubly fruitful. So that is interesting because he was someone who was fruitful. But then, of course, there's all of these different stories, of course, before now, but I'm specifically focused on Hosea because the descendants of Ephraim became known as the tribe of Ephraim. So it was one of the 12 tribes of Israel. But essentially, by the time we get to the book of Hosea, the tribe of Ephraim was chastised for their idolatry and their partnership with heathen nations. And so literally, the, the Bible talks about what happens to this tribe that has turned away from God. So that's how we got to seven in the verses that I mentioned. So it talks about the tribe uh, in verse eight, Ephraim, he had mixed himself among the people. Ephraim is a cake, not turned. And I love how they describe it because it says the people of Israel had intermarried with heathen people, had picked up their evil ways. When we spend a lot of time with people, we can easily pick up their attitudes and begin to imitate their actions. So remember I mentioned PPP, people in positions of power. 
those people in positions of power, we start to look to them and we think, you know what, if they can get away with it, so can I. And then we start to compromise who we are because we're copying after what we see from individuals who may or may not be 100% walking the walk. And so in notes, um, in the, the essentially the description of that particular scripture, in this particular Bible, it says, when you work, live, or play with unbelievers, beware of the influence they may have on you. Instead of drifting into bad habits, see if you can have a positive influence on them and point them to God. So the reason that this the tribe of Ephraim was so important is because they had gone away from God. They had started to turn toward wicked things. So literally, it said that they would essentially reap a whirlwind of destruction. They began to continue wandering aimlessly without God. So that's chapters eight, nine, 10. Hosea starts to predict the punishment. But in chapter 11, it's when God starts talking about his love for Israel. But then it still talks about, you know, we, I want you to come back to me in, in chapter 12 and 13. He expresses his anger towards him. But what's lovely about this is in chapter 14, it talks about how repentance will bring restoration. So remember I told you when I looked up the number 11 from a biblical standpoint, I was pretty surprised to see what it meant. I wasn't thinking it was going to mean chaos or any of those things. I was thinking, okay, I wonder what it will mean. But it definitely did not mean what I thought it was going to mean. I was thinking, you know, inspiration, um, you know, something of that nature, uh, one plus one, and, and I'm thinking, okay, well, one plus one equals two, but it also, that stands for balance. So it really is, when you think about Hosea, it's all about the balance. They were out of balance. Hosea's wife, Gomer, was out of balance with Hosea. That's why she was cheating on him and, and living her life the way that she was, but she was reconciled to him. So the first three chapters of Hosea were an example of how God's heart would turn back to Israel. But what's interesting is um, when we look up, when we think about judgment, the chaos, the lack of order, one plus one is balance. We are not in balance right now. And so if we start to put anything above God, again, the Bible tells us he's a jealous God. But what I love is that he allows us to come back to him through through repentance. So the reason I say I sold my scars is because we are born again through Jesus Christ. And so literally he has sent his son to die for our sins so that we may not die, so that we may have everlasting life, but yet we take it for granted because we may be able to get away with this today or get away with that tomorrow. And then we start to pick up habits from the people we are around, the people we might esteem to be because we see, well, they get away with it and nothing happens to them. So in chapter 14, it says, starting with verse one, O Israel, return unto the Lord thy God, for thou hast fallen by thine inequity. Take with you words and turn to the Lord, say unto them, unto him, Take away all iniquity and receive us graciously, so we will render the cow calves of our lips. I'm going to skip down to verse nine. Who is wise and he shall understand these things? Prudent and he shall know them. For the ways of the Lord are right and the just shall walk in them, but the transgressors shall fall therein. So literally, if we're wise, 
we will heed the warning. We will see like, okay, you know what? This is not the way I should be going. How do I turn things around? So the reason I mentioned Jeremiah is because in Jeremiah, it also talks about judgment of the nations. It talks about, the funny thing is when I look at the very opening of the, the book, it talks about in chapters one through chapters 45, God's judgment on Judah. And I was like, okay, this is interesting. And then chapters 46 through 52, it talks about God's judgment on the nations. But in the very beginning, God calls Jeremiah. So that brought me back to my notes. So as you know, I like to journal. If you've been listening to my show for a while, I showed everyone this journal here. And on the front, it says the only journey is the journey within. This is where the vision for CC America came from, meaning this is the, the book that I wrote in over 10 years ago, and I've been keeping track. So ironically, I found a note from 2018, and it was from Jeremiah. And literally, it says the greatest obstacle, and this was from a sermon by David Franklin called It's Time to Build. And this was in November of 2018 on the 10th. And it said the greatest obstacle to achieving what God has called us to do is internal. It's with regard to our hearts. You must understand God's plan for you. So I kept flipping through my book like, all right, what do you want me to see? Is there something I'm missing? And so I kept flipping. I was looking for one, one, like I was looking for 11, one or one, one, something that signified the 11. So then I thought about it. It was 2010 when I got the vision for CC America. This sermon that I heard was on 1110. The scripture or the book was Jeremiah 1, 1 through 10. But I was like, I wonder what Jeremiah 1 verse 11 says. So I flipped to the book. I was like, let me see what it says. Verse 11 said, moreover, the word of the Lord came unto me saying, Jeremiah, what seest thou? And I said, I see a rod of an almond tree. And I was like, maybe God isn't trying to speak to me. Maybe I'm just making up stuff. And I was like, mm, no, I rebuke you, Satan. I think there's something that he wants me to know um, that is either for me or for someone else, whomever is supposed to hear this, I believe will. But when I listened to it, I was like, wait a minute, let me look at the notes and the, the living application Bible and see what it says. This is where I said it gets interesting. So how they described it is the vision of an almond rod. A almond rod is a whip made out of a branch. It reveals the beginning of God's judgment, the whole book of Hosea. For the almond tree is among the first to blossom in the spring. God saw the sins of Judah in the nations and he would carry out swift and certain judgment. The seething pot tipping and spilling over Judah is Babylon delivering God's scalding judgment against Jeremiah's people. So I was like, okay, interesting. There is alignment with regard to what I was reading and like both of these books, which I, I honestly never read all of them. Um, I had never read the whole book of Hosea, although I feel like I was given the vision to read it a long time ago, long before now, I will admit. And for whatever reason, I kept putting it off. Even when I tried to read it over the last few days, I kept falling asleep. But the Bible even tells us to watch and pray. And there's a parable which talks about the wives and their, their lamps, essentially, and the ones who were caught sleeping. 
And I don't want to be caught sleeping because clearly the enemy is out here seeking whom he can destroy. And he is destroying us for lack of knowledge. He's like, I got them right where I want them. They can't see the end from the beginning because they're not paying attention. Things are so chaotic and so destructive that it, it breaks our focus. And so we stop paying attention to what's happening all around us. We start focusing on the little distractions, the people who say whatever they want to say, the people who might talk about you, the individuals who might make your life difficult. You might be having difficulties on the job. It's a distraction. You have a purpose. And so in the first chapter of Jeremiah, God calls him. So it talks about calling him. So I'm going to skip to verse four. And this is a scripture that most of you probably have heard in terms of either reading your Bible, going to church. But it says, then the word of the Lord came unto me saying, before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. And before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee. And I ordained thee a prophet to the nations. And I'm going to keep reading from, from four and five. Then said I, our Lord God, behold, I cannot speak for I am a child. But the Lord said unto me, say not, I am a child, for thou shalt go to all that I shall send thee, and whatsoever I command thee, thou shalt speak. Be not afraid of their faces, for I am with thee to deliver thee, saith the Lord. Then the Lord put forth his hand and touched my mouth, and the Lord said unto me, behold, I have put my words in thy mouth. See, I have this day set thee over the nations and over the kingdoms to root out and to pull down and to destroy and to throw down, to build and to plant. Moreover, the word of the Lord came unto me saying, Jeremiah, what seest thou? And I said, I see a rod of an almond tree. Then said the Lord unto me, thou hast well seen, for I will hasten my word to perform it. And the word of the Lord came unto me the second time saying, what seest thou? And I said, I see a seething pot and the face thereof is toward the north. Then the Lord said unto me, out of the north and evil shall break forth upon all the inhabitants of the land. For lo, I will call all the families of the kingdoms of the north, say of the Lord, and they shall come and they shall set every one of his throne at the entering of the gates of Jerusalem and against all the walls thereof round about and against all cities of Judah. And I will utter my judgments against them, touching all of their wickedness who have forsaken me and have burned incense unto other gods and have worshiped the works of their own hands. Thou therefore gird up thy lions and arise and speak unto them all that I command thee. Be not dismayed at their faces, lest I confound thee before them. For behold, I have made thee this day a defense city and an iron pillar and brazen walls against the whole land, against the kings of Judah, against the princes thereof, against the priests thereof, and against the people of the land. And they shall fight against thee but they shall not prevail against thee for I am with thee, saith the Lord to deliver thee. So Jeremiah was sent out against people. God knew would be against what he had to say, because what he was saying was against what they wanted to do. He was condemning them for their sins, but because they did not want to turn away, God was like, I will give you the words to speak. I will tell you where to go. I will tell you what to do. So I don't know who is in a season right now where you're trying to figure out what to do. You're trying to figure out where to go, 
who to speak to, what to say. When I tell you, he will give you the words for the moment that you're in, for whoever you're supposed to speak to, for whoever you're supposed to impact. For that person listening to this message and you're trying to figure out what is my call, God made it simple. He said that all of us, our duty is to seek and save those who are lost. And don't get me wrong. I don't get it right all the time, but the reason I say I sold my scars is because yes, they may not always be beautiful. I may not always make the right decisions, but there was only one perfect person and that was Jesus. So as I thought about this, I said, wow, this is really deep. And the last scripture that I will say that I saw when I was going through my notes and I was just jotting down things and I was like, what is, what is it that you want me to say? What is it that you want me to share? was 11.1, which is today. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So what do we have faith in? Do we have faith in people? Do we have faith in things? Or do we have faith in God? Do we have faith? Honestly, some of us have probably too much faith in ourselves because at the end of the day, God is the reason we are able to do the things we do. I know that my talent comes from God because there is no way that I can do and accomplish all the things that I've done and have accomplished without him by my side, without his guidance. And so I thank God for his son who decided to die on the cross for me. I sold my scars because I gave it to him. He paid the ultimate price. He paid the price for you and I so that we could go on, so that we could spread a message of hope. We could spread a message of inspiration and that we could also spread a message of the truth. So when I initially came up with CC America, it was all about faith and confidence and inspiration, but faith is just that. It's confidence in God and not confidence in ourselves. It's not confidence in other people. Again, it's confidence in God. And I'm going to just look up the definition, the formal definition of faith. Um, And literally, it means complete trust or confidence in someone or something. Or the alternative definition, strong belief in God. And that's the one. We're not believing in some things or someone. It is strong belief in God or in the doctrines of a religion based on spiritual apprehension rather than proof. So if it's, if it's something that's been proven, it's a lot easier to believe because you can see it. But today I encourage you to have the confidence. And the reason I call this show now Confidence Restored, God gave me that a few weeks ago. Um, it really is about how do we restore our confidence in the one and true living God the one who allows us to wake up and breathe every day. The reason that I'm here and able to do this with you tonight. And when I say this year has been crazy, it has been crazy. Um, And I'll probably share a little bit more about some of the crazy, uh, but I'll share one example. On my birthday, believe it or not, I was having a great time. I hadn't been out in a while, but I decided to go out to dinner for my birthday. And then we decided to go out to... um, this place, they call it the tent, but essentially it's, it's a restaurant. I won't say the name, but it's a restaurant in my hometown. And we went out, we were having a good time. The weather was nice. It was the summer. And literally um, some individuals that we did not know started fighting. And before I knew it, we were all kind of moving back. I was waiting for some of my family members. I said, you know, I don't want to leave them behind. So I was like, let us all gather together so we can go out together. Well, before I knew it, shots rang out 
and me and one of my family members, we were pushed down. And literally in that moment, I was terrified because I knew that anything could have happened. I didn't know if they were gonna keep shooting. I didn't know what was gonna happen. When I finally got off the ground from people who pushed, like individuals, literally everyone was running. So me and my family member got pushed down on the ground. Um, when I finally could get up from the people scrambling over top of me, I was able to get up and run and go and duck behind some stairs. But I literally had scars and scrapes on my both elbows and both knees. And I thought to myself, wow, I don't even really go out often. Like I should have stayed in the house, but I was thinking, you know what? I just needed a mental break. Let me just go out, have a good time, enjoy some music, enjoy the company of family and friends. And literally, I did not expect that to happen. And that was on my birthday this year. And I just thank God that I made it out of there alive. Um, I had the scars, meaning they were, <laughs> I had the scars and the scabs uh, for several weeks. Um, my knees were swollen. My elbows were like burning. My knees were burning. And it I had quite a bit of pain for over a week from just the impact of being pushed down and being trampled over and having to literally physically try to crawl and stand up with everyone rushing to get out. And I say all that to say, and that's that, that situation, I realized how blessed I was. And granted, there have been plenty of situations this year where I'll say, I know how blessed I am. But again, my confidence is in God because they had security guards, but those security guards couldn't save us. If it would have been my time to go, the security guard couldn't save me. That was nothing but the grace of God that we were all able to walk out of there. No one seriously injured or killed. And how many times have we seen on the news stories of individuals who have been killed um, while out because someone makes a poor decision because we live in a fallen world. We live in a time of chaos. But what I feel like this message is all about is even in the midst of chaos, God is still real. He's like, don't allow the enemy to trick you into thinking that your life is over, to trick you into thinking that your repentance means nothing. Why? Because we sold our scars. We sold our scars. Those people in positions of power, we may watch them fall. They may fall seven times. Why? Because we are sinners. But the word says that if we will repent, if we believe in our hearts and we confess with our mouth that Jesus, and Lord, Jesus is Lord, then we can be saved. What the devil wants to do is keep us in a state of condemnation, keep us in a state of fear, keep us afraid. But at the end of the day, he has no power. He wants you to think he has power to stop what God has already ordained for you. Like in Jeremiah, before, before he was born, God knew him. Before he was formed in his mother's womb, God called him. God knows you. God has called you to do whatever it is he has called you to do. So regardless of what you might be facing, if you made it through something this year, if you are making it through something this year, you are here for a reason. Your steps are ordered. You are here for a reason. In the same way that in the Bible, it showed God's repentance in our way to come back to him, for us to believe again, for us to trust in him. We have that opportunity today and every day. We have, every day we have an opportunity to get it right. 
We may not always get it right, but every day we have an opportunity to try. And so I encourage you today to try, to try, to have your faith and confidence in the Lord, to be rooted in him. And so um, I would say my affirmation for today, sometimes I end in prayer, sometimes I end in affirmation, but today's affirmation is, I sold my scars. God brought me for a price. I will live and not die. I will accomplish the will of God for my life because he ordained it before I was born. So on that note, I hope that you all have a blessed night. And one thing I would like to encourage you to do, I always say, read the scriptures for yourself. Hosea is not a long chapter to read. I do encourage you, if you get an opportunity, go ahead and read it. Allow God to minister to your heart. Allow him to show you what he wants to show you, because I do believe that he speaks to us in the time that we need it, and he shows us what we need to see. So I encourage each of you to read it for yourselves. Any of the scriptures I mentioned, read the book, read the scriptures before and after the scripture that you tend, that you highlight or that you want to read. And I promise you, it will minister to your soul and it will help you get through any trial or tribulation you are encountering. Yes, the world is in chaos, but chapter 11, verse one of Hebrews reminds us to have faith and faith in God. We're having faith in the things that we do not see because we can trust that his word will not come back void. Have a good night. Thank you for tuning in to another live taping of the Confidence Restored podcast by CC America. We are grateful that you tune in week after week and join us for testimonies of faith, inspiration, and transformation. Please be sure to rate, comment, and subscribe, and let others know that you are listening to the Confidence Restored podcast. You can also now buy us a coffee to show appreciation at buymeacoffee.com forward slash CC America. Until next time, be blessed.